Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. Guys, we are going through the Gospel of Luke. We've been going through the Gospel of Luke. Looking at the life of Jesus, we've entitled our time Earthwalk because that's really what it's like. Jesus, God himself, coming among us and walking among us and living his life among us in such a way that really communicates a lot to us about who he is and what Jesus has done for us and what Christ is doing, continuing to do in our lives even now. And so what we've been doing is, is we've been progressing our way slowly but surely through the Gospel of Luke, and we're coming to the end of chapter 8. Now, here's what's going on. In chapter 8, Luke, the writer, is wanting us to understand a couple of questions. We've been looking at these questions the last four times that we've been, this is our fourth time, the last three times that we've looked at this Gospel. He wants us to understand, first of all, who is this Jesus that he demands a response? Because I'm going to explain something to you, and you need to understand this. When it comes to Jesus Christ, the reality is is that he's in your face. You understand what I mean by nobody likes that. I mean, how many of you have ever been in an argument and somebody get in your face? How many you just want to, you just want to get out of my face? We don't like that, do we? We we don't like someone being in our face wanting an answer from us. And this is what Jesus is doing. See, we've got this picture of Jesus, which I'm going to be honest with you, is. Really, it's wrong. We've got a wrong, false concept of Christ that he's this meek, mild-mannered guy who who did some miracles, and yeah, he's God, he died for me on the cross, but he really doesn't make any demands of us. But I'm going to be honest with you, Jesus makes a lot of demands. You can't read his Gospels and not see the demands he makes. He makes demands like this. If anyone would follow me, let him take up his cross and follow me. And he's not talking about a gold necklace, folks. He's talking about an instrument of execution. What he's talking about there is, let him die for me and follow me. This is the reality. So who is this Jesus that he's making a demand of us? He wants a response. And so the reality is, you've got to make some kind of decision about Christ. And that's what we've been looking at for the last few weeks here, is what kind of responses are you making? Who is he that he would demand? If he is who he is, then I better pay attention, and I better respond to him. The second question we've been looking at is this. Do you have faith or trust in him? Now let me explain to you. I've done it a few times. Some of you have not been here. So let me explain it to you again. Faith is more than just simply a belief. Faith is more than just simply saying, oh, I believe. See, this is the issue. Jesus is saying, not just do I have belief in him, because a lot of people believe in that he's the Son of God. Folks, James says the demons believe and tremble. But that's not changing how they live their lives. But the question is, do you trust him? Do you have faith in him? And see, these are the questions that he's been confronting us with, and he's going to confront us with them again with this last seen today, because he's been kind of taking us through four different things, trying to show us who Jesus is. And let me just kind of refresh you where we've looked. We already saw that, number one, he has power over nature, because he could tell the storms to stop and the seas to cease from raging, and immediately there's peace. He has power over demonic hosts, 
Because he could tell legion to come out of a man and go into these a herd of swine. He has power over sickness. We saw that last week when he healed that woman of her disease. But today we're going to see that he is who he is and he demands a response from us because he has power even over death. And we know all know what that is, don't we? So let's look at the passage today. We're going to look at verses 49 through 56. So let's look at this passage together. Verse 49. While he was still speaking, someone came from the ruler of the synagogue's house, saying to him, Your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher. But when Jesus heard it, he answered him, saying, Do not be afraid. Only believe, and she will be made well. And when he came into the house, he permitted no one to go in except Peter, James, and John, and the father and the mother of the girl. Now all wept and mourned for her, but he said, Do not weep, she is not dead, but sleeping. And they ridiculed him, knowing that she was dead. All outside, her by the hand, and called, saying, Little girl, arise. Then immediately her spirit returned, and she arose immediately. And he commanded that she be given something to eat. And her parents were astonished, but he charged them to tell no one what had happened. Folks, we can take this passage and divide it into three sections. And here's what we're going to do today. We're going to look at three sections here. First of all, we're going to see what the growing frustration is, because the reality is we enter into this story, we're going to see one frustrated dude, and that's the dad. And I'm going to explain to you his frustrations here in a moment. We're then going to see not just his frustration, but we're going to see Jesus' call to faith. Jesus is called to faith. And again, let me explain to you, faith is not simply a belief. Faith is a trust. So a call to faith, and then we're going to see what the responses are to Jesus in this passage. So first of all, let's notice the growing frustration. Here's what's going on. Remember the story. The story actually began last week. Jesus comes into a town. A multitude are there to meet him. So, I mean, understand something. The word is out. That when Jesus comes to your town, if you've got somebody who's sick, if you've got somebody who's crippled, if you've got somebody who's demon-possessed, you just simply need to bring them to Jesus, and he will heal them. So the word is out. I mean, we're not talking just the stuff that you kind of see on TV where, you know, where somebody makes your leg grow or some, some of the magician stuff that you see on TV. Literally, Jesus is bringing back sight to the blind. He's bringing hearing back to the deaf. People who have been crippled all their lives are now being able to walk again, restored. I mean, we've already seen in one instance where a man's hand was withered and it was restored back to its whole condition. This is Jesus. So he's showing up in this community and a whole crowd is there to meet him. And among the crowd is a man by the name of Jairus. Now, Jairus is the ruler of the synagogue. That's kind of like the leader of of their Jewish church, so to speak. And he comes to Jesus and begs of him, Jesus, come to my house. My daughter is dying. I need you to come, Jesus. Because in his mind, this is the healer. He can heal my daughter. Come, Jesus. Jesus says, okay, I'll go with you. So they're making their way. Now, again, there's a crowd there. They're pressing them. Now, in the crowd, we saw this last week, is a woman who's considered unclean in the community. She comes up behind Jesus and touches him. And she's immediately healed of everything. We saw that last week. Now, here's the problem. Jesus then decides, 
Hold on now, who touched me? And the disciples are like, wow, wait a minute, Master. I mean, there's all kinds of people here. They're, everybody's touching you and you're asking you, who touched you? Jesus said, I perceived the power went out of me. Who touched me? And of course this woman publicly acknowledges, this unclean woman publicly acknowledges, yes, I touched you and I was healed. Now we get to the story today. And now I want you to see where this dad is at. Because now there's some issues going on here. There's, some, there's a growing frustration. And here's the first thing I want you to see. Nothing is going right. Nothing is going right. Do you understand? You have to understand their culture. First of all, there's a crowd. There's dad. His daughter is dying. Who knows how long she's going to survive? Jesus comes to town. Thank you, God. He goes to Jesus. Come, come, come with me. Now, first of all, he's got to work his way through the crowd because everybody wants Jesus. And then all of a sudden, some, first of all, two things are happening here. Not just an interruption, but you've got to understand there's something else happening here. This woman who touched him is considered unclean. And when you are touched by an unclean woman, that means you are what? Unclean. So there you are, you're like, man, nothing is going right. He's this close. And guess what happens? This unclean woman touches him. Will that maybe affect, you got to understand what's going on in the mind of this dad, is that going to affect maybe how he can heal her because he's from God and now he's unclean before God? And not only that, time's short. you got to get to my house. And here he's wondering who touched him. Can you see the frustration that's going on there with this dad? Nothing is going right. How many of you can relate to that? I mean, you've got stuff planned out. It's like, you know, you've got this problem, and if everything works just, you know, A, B, C, and, and maybe D, and if maybe one, two, three, and, and, and all the way up to five, and if, you know, if everything just works out right, then everything, but then you get into the process, and everything goes wrong. Nothing happens the way you want it to happen. Nothing goes right. How many of you can relate to what I'm talking about? Maybe that has been your week this week, right? So you know exactly how the dad is feeling here. You know exactly how he's feeling. And so nothing is going right. And then notice the second part. Fears become reality. Because after the woman gets healed and makes her profession, somebody comes up, messenger comes up from the house to Jarius and says, She's gone. Don't bother the teacher anymore. She's gone. There's a point where sometimes the fears that we have become reality, don't they, folks? And you could see, I mean, I could picture this dad, the mental gymnastics that are going on. If only that woman hadn't touched him. If only he hadn't worried about her. If only he had just kept, if there wasn't a crowd. If only I'd gotten to him sooner. This stuff would not have happened. I would still have my daughter. Do you understand? There are times when our fears become reality, don't they? This is what's going on. Can you relate to Jarius here, folks? I can. Can you relate to him? Now, in the midst of this, Jesus overhears what's going on. And I want you to notice when you look at what he says in the passage there. Verse 50. But when Jesus heard it, he answered, saying, Do not be afraid, only believe, and she will be made well. Folks, that's a call to faith. A couple things I want you to see about that. Number one, he is called to put his trust in Jesus. I want you to notice something here. I just told you 
that nothing is going right. The world is upside down as far as Jarius is concerned. Everything that could go wrong has gone wrong. I've also just told you that for Jarius, his fears have become reality. His daughter is dead. It's, it, I mean, you can't get any more real than that. His daughter. Can I be honest with you? To probably the chances are it was probably his only child that they had. The implication of the text is, is this is the only child that this couple has. And when you're in that situation, what else can more can happen? And then here comes Jesus. He comes along, and Jesus is telling him, put your trust in me. Everything else is upside down. Your fears have become reality. The world seems at an end. Hope is gone. And here's what Jesus says. Jesus overhears. Jesus says, put your trust in me. Believe. And listen, it's beyond, can I be honest with you, listen to me. We've got to quit thinking about terms of believe the way we think about it here in the West. In our Western mindset. We've got to think of it more than just believing with our minds. We have to think about it in terms of believing with our hearts. That's what he's calling him to. He's calling him here to put his trust in Jesus. Folks, some of you right now, you maybe are going through something. Nobody else knows about it. You maybe are going through something right now, and you don't know what will happen. You don't know how you're going to... I mean, it's like everything that could go wrong has gone wrong. Your fears are becoming a reality. Jesus is saying to you, you need to just trust me. Trust me. Even when it seems like nothing's going right, you just hold on to me. Hold on to me. Trust me. That's the first thing he says there. He calls him to put his faith in trust in Jesus. In fact, this is the next point. In the face of disaster, nothing matters but faith. Here's what Jesus is saying. In the face of disaster, when, when everything is going wrong and your fears become reality, nothing else matters, folks. Nothing else matters but your faith, but your trust. See, some of us, here's what happens. We give it up too quickly. In fact, our, our attitude is this. I shouldn't have been here in the first place. Why didn't you show up sooner, Jesus? then I wouldn't have to worry about all of this. Isn't that the attitude that we have? And the reality is, is what Jesus is saying, look, even in the face of disaster, when all goes wrong, nothing else matters but whether or not you trust me. That's what Jesus is saying. That's what Jesus is saying. Nothing else matters but whether or not you trust me. See, that's a whole lot different than what we do today in church, isn't it? whole lot different than our whole... Con- this is why I'm saying to you, our concept of Christ sometimes is so mamsy-pamsy. Stuff happens! Sickness happens! Tragedies happen! There are pink slips that come. And you gave and you bled for the company and then they turn around and say, Oh, I'm sorry, but we don't longer need you. We hope things work out well. Yeah, me and thousands of other people who are looking for a job. Stuff happens. And so when everything goes wrong and your fears become reality, really the question is, am I going to hold on to you, Jesus? That's the question. 
Do you understand what I'm saying? That's what he's talking about here. Am I going to hold on to him? Even if it gets darker, am I going to hold on to him? This is what Jesus said to them in the boat, remember? They're like, Master, we're going to die. I mean, there's, the waves are coming in. And he wakes up, rebukes the ocean, and he looks at them and says, Where's your faith? Where's your trust? Don't you trust me? Even when it, it's the possibility exists that something wrong may happen, don't you trust me? And even when something wrong does happen, don't you trust me? This is what Jesus is calling us to. Folks, he's calling us to lay hold of him even when all else goes wrong. But you know what? We are so fickle. If he doesn't act immediately, we look somewhere else. He's calling us to something more than that. But I want you to also notice that there are some responses to Jesus in this passage. It's interesting. We see several things. We see in this passage several viewpoints of Jesus, and so I want you to, to understand what's going on here. First of all, look with me at verse 49. While he was still speaking, someone came from the ruler of the synagogue's house saying to him, Your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher. Notice that last part. Do not trouble the teacher. Here's what he's saying. Here's what's going on in that individual's life, and here's what's going on in Jairus' life. They believe that Jesus' power was limited. You understand what's going on here? Here's what's going on in Jairus' life. Jairus' life is, is he had a level of faith, and his level of faith was is that, yes, Jesus can heal my daughter, so let's get moving, Jesus. Let's get to my house and heal my daughter. But then when she's dead... He had faith to believe that he could heal her. But the people there did not believe. It's like, don't even bother Jesus now. This is beyond him. This is beyond him. They believed that his power was limited. They believed that his what he could do was limited. And let's be honest, folks, isn't it? We can relate to that, right? When all goes wrong and nothing goes right and our fears become reality we quickly begin to see Jesus as limited in what he can do. That's a response. Some of you right now, you are going through something, you are facing something, it's not going right, everything's going wrong, and your fears are becoming reality, and the reality is is this. Listen to me. The reality is this. The issue is, you don't believe that he can do it. You don't believe that he can take you through it. You don't believe... And he can handle it. And that's what's going on here. So the first response is, is they, they believe that Jesus' power was limited. And here's the other one. Here's the other response. Jesus shows up, and, and, and the people, you have to understand, you have to understand what's going on here. Back then, their, their, their times were a little bit different. Whenever, first of all, when somebody died, it's a small village, word gets out. And immediately, the first group that would show up to your house are the professional mourners. They had those back then. Because, here's the thing, the number of people who mourn for you suggested how important you were to the community. So if you were a very important person, you had a lot of people mourning for you. If you were insignificant, then nobody would show up. And so what, so what happened with some is, is that, you know, these professional mourners, they would come and cry at the drop of a hat. Didn't matter if they knew you or not. Oh, I loved her so much, never knew who she was, but I loved her. They were professional mourners. So they're there. Everybody knows that, that the girl is dead. Jesus shows up. Look at what he says there. Jesus shows up, verse 52. All wept and mourned for her, but he said, Do not weep. She is not dead, but sleeping. 
Look at verse 53. And they ridiculed him, knowing that she was dead. Here's the point I want you to see. Jesus is mocked by those who know better. Jesus is mocked by those who know better. Here's the, here's the reality. I want you to understand. We, 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 can't, we can't be, oh man, those people, they should know better. No. You understand something? It's not like Jesus is going around he, raising everybody up from the dead. They know he's the healer, but in their mind, remember, they think he's limited. They think there's, there's no way he could do this. So, okay. So he comes along and says, oh, she's not dead. She's just simply asleep. She'll be okay. Come on, Jesus. She's dead. You can't be hard on them because you and I would respond the same way. Because here's the thing. We know better. See, this is the other response. We sometimes mock God. We sometimes mock Jesus because we know better. And listen, when you get to the place where you, where nothing goes right and your fears become reality, you become real quick a realist. You become a realist. A better word for it is pessimist. And when you become realistic, you know better. And so when somebody comes up to you and says, oh, just trust in Jesus, everything will work out. Oh, yeah, yeah, I've, I've done that before. Didn't help me out this time. Burn me once. Shame on you. Burn me twice. Shame on me. And I'm not going to be burned by you anymore, God. Because I know better. That's the reality of what's going on here. Is they mocked him because they knew better. Look, folks, we've got a lot of folks in our community that I call the de-church. They've been to church at one time and they got disappointed for whatever reason. And one of the things that they reasons why they don't come back to church anymore is because they're disappointed with God. He didn't do what they thought he should do. And now they are realists. We're not going to get hung up in that anymore. We used to say to them simplistic answers like, just have faith, just trust. Oh, yeah. And they mock. Maybe not outright, but in their hearts. Oh, I tried that. That didn't work. Look at where I'm at. See, that's a response to Jesus here. But I want you to see something. The amazing thing is, here's the amazing thing. He goes into the room. He put everyone out, verse 44. And he looks over at the little girl. He, he touches her. He says to the little girl, he touches her, little girl, arise. Wake up. And she does. She wakes up. Do you want to know who this Jesus is who demands a response? He has power over death. Listen to me. Very few things irritate me. Very few things that I say that I hate. Let me tell you one of them. Death. I hate death. We all hate it. Am I not right? We see loved ones and friends die. We hate it. And what we hate the most is is we have no power over it. It comes when we least expect it. When we don't want it. We hate it. And it's the ugly gorilla in the room that we have to live with, is it not? Here is one who has power over it. Here is one that's even greater than death. And he demands that I respond to him. And i got to do something with that. 
I have to do something with that. I've got to make a decision about this Jesus. And this passage tells me he's not just some ordinary dude. He's God. And so he heals her. He brings her back to life. And so then, here's the other response. Here's what he says. They were not to sensationalize the miracle. Because when you look at it, when you look at verse 56, it's like, you have got to be kidding me. Everybody knows she's dead. It's on the news in town. And now she's alive and you don't want us to tell anyone about it? That just doesn't make sense. What's Jesus doing here? Is he making an outrageous comment? Here's what he's doing. He's saying, don't sensationalize it. The very fact that she's alive will speak for itself. Because you know how we are. Something goes good, I don't know about you. The story grows after a few times telling it, doesn't it? Boy, we were out fishing, and you should have seen that. Boy, we got we pulled out one of those big catfish, and you know it was you know it was like that when we caught it. But by the time I told you, man, it was a whale, and I fought that for two hours, and it practically jumped out of the bank at you. We sensationalize things, don't we? Because we're excited. And listen, when you're excited about, I mean, you can't get any more excited than Jesus bringing somebody back from the dead, and it's your daughter. Yeah, I wasn't sweating it. I knew he could do it. Jesus is saying, don't you dare sensationalize it. You let it speak for itself. That's what he's saying here. That's the response he wants from us, folks. You know what we tend to do with our unsafe friends? You know what we tend to do with the de-churched people who no longer want to, they're afraid of putting their trust in Jesus again? You know what we do with them? We tend to sensationalize Jesus in church, don't we? We tend to tell them, well, you just come on back and everything will be okay. Folks, let's get real. Stuff still happens. You just tell them to come and let them see for themselves what it means to see Jesus. That's the responses. So how do we apply this? We're going to really bring it down to those three things that we've talked about the last few weeks. Number one, have you come to grips with who Jesus is? Have you come to grips with who Jesus is? Folks, He is God. He not only has control over nature, He not only has control over the spiritual, He not only has control over sickness, folks, He has control over death. And what we're going to see later is is that He has such control over death, death can't keep Him in the grave. You come to grips with who He is. And it blows your mind when you think about Him. Have you come to grips with who he is. So then, let, let me, that brings us to really what the question is. What is your response to Jesus? Because, I mean, he's demanding it. He's demanding it from you. So let, let's, let's ask the question. What's your response to him? Is he who he says he is? And how are you responding to him? Are you willing to make that commitment to follow him? Are you willing to put that trust when everything else is going wrong? Really, that's really where the rubber meets the road, isn't it? What do you mean it's rubber meets the road, George? Think about it. It's easy to say, I love Jesus when everything's going right. But folks, what about when everything's going wrong? And more than wrong. What about it when, when your fears become a reality? And it just seems like there is no way out. How are you responding to Jesus then? How are you responding to him? See, the level of your belief and commitment to Him is not expressed when things are going well. It's expressed when things are going wrong. That brings me to the third point. 
Embrace Jesus. Embrace Him. Embrace Him in the good times. Embrace Him in the bad times. And folks, the bad times will come. Embrace Him. Embrace Him. Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.